0: Well, 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 (laughs) hello, good afternoon, it's Thursday, good afternoon, everybody, we were getting our makeup on and we apologize, man, that was exciting, that was an exciting 15 minutes, we enjoyed that, and uh, our guest is waiting backstage drinking what looks, appears to be a nice cup of tea or coffee, we'll find out in a second, Uh, before we kick off, welcome everybody uh, on YouTube land and on Facebook land, Uh, appreciate you joining us as always, it's always a, a fun time. Uh, we got a new website. We launched a new website on Wednesday, Dave. Is that something yeah. like that? I think it was Wednesday. Yeah. So it's been a busy week of trying to, so no, Tuesday it was. It was um, Tuesday, was yeah. Tuesday. Trying to make sure that everything was good. Forget a second. I'm not sure any other website that any of you would be on other than daringbanjers.com. So when you're there for the next few hours, do have a look through, tell us what you think. Um, we like it, but uh, just to let you know that's live and it's the first time we've announced that. Um, yeah. Right. Oh, well, I should give a, a shout out here to young Dave Bandrowski, who, well done. You spearheaded that entire thing. That was your point. Only, only
1: if you like it, though. If, if you don't.
0: This is true. Yeah. I mean, if you like it, it's, it was really mainly me. And if you don't like it, then Dave was definitely the point person on this project. <laughs> <sighs> no, good job, man. That was, it looks great. So enjoy it, everybody. All right. Let's get down to business because we're here for a reason. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. It is Going to be a good one, there's already a lot of people excited in, in the chat and everything, so I'm happy you could all make it. Uh, and in case you hadn't realized, our guest this week is none other than five string banjo extraordinaire Mr. Ryan Kavanaugh. Uh, and today's a little different. This is he's been on before, we've had the chat, we've had uh, we've gone through some of the banjo history. Today's going to be a bit more specific, and we're going to explore how to comp chords for 20th century American music styles other than bluegrass. So it's going to be kind of an interesting take going through examples on how to voice chords, um, using a five string banjo for styles like New Orleans jazz or swing or funk or rock and roll even. Um, and the cool part was, um, for those of you that may or may not have seen it, I'll drop the link in the chat, but we made it, uh, along with Ryan. Uh, Ryan's help, we created a little Spotify playlist for you guys to reference, so if you wanna come back and watch this at a later time, you can. Uh, you can kind of refer back to the playlist and some of the songs that he's going to mention uh, over the course of the next hour or so. Um, so, I think without further ado, let's bring in Mr. Ryan Kavanaugh. Here he is. Hey everybody. Hey Ryan, how you doing, man? It's great to be here. Are you are you, are you chilled? Are you ready? <laughs> <I'm>
2: chilled.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I I picked up my computer from the the asphalt and I. Taped it back together.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it was it a was a whole new
2: browser now. It's great.
0: Yeah. You got Chrome, we've got Edge, we've got everything on your computer now. I actually We're...
2: smashed my laptop. I used my banjo for a club. These things are sturdy. Uh, Deering makes a great banjo. This is why I use it.
0: It's <laughs> not it's not a test that we've ever had before, but we'll take it. Mm. So <laughs> all right. Let's kick things off, Ryan. Before we jump in, I know we've got quite a lot to cover today. Um, First of all, how are you doing? Everything good? We're ready to go. You're in Nashville? I'm in Nashville right now, yep. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Do you want to kick things off with a little bit of a a, a tune for us? Is that possible?
2: Dave asked me earlier, before we started, to do an example of Miles Davis's intro to his Autumn Leaves in G minor, and I'm just going to mess around with those chords. Kind of reference it a little bit just show you what i'm doing and then i i think i'm going to rep or explain that later in the in the broadcast here but um uh, yeah go for it. <laughs> guys right now
1: my bad no that was my bad okay. i muted myself so hey yeah. Yeah. Good, to, good to have you on here glad, glad you made it
2: i messed that up a little bit but hey you know i just learned it before the F broadcast so <laughs>
1: you just learned it a few minutes ago <laughs> and we had some some tech issues to deal with too um but we got a lot to cover We um, you know this was a good idea you had of uh you know of how had a, some chord voicings for genres outside of music and then um you kind of on that Spotify playlist, you kind of went through kind of some of the, you know, mainly jazz styles and, you know, the different jazz styles and then gain into some funk and some rock.
2: Yeah. It was, it's, well. it's funny, you know, jazz at the turn of the century was the pop music and it evolved and evolved. And then it kind of split off when rock and roll was formed and, uh, you know, a part of it lingers in rock and roll. But what I've noticed through all the, the decades that music has evolved since those early t- 20th century decades is the voicings of the chords were the main things that changed and I see a lot of people mixing those uh, when they play the different genres and there's some confusion there Uh, banjo players they tend to guess we we come from bluegrass a lot and uh, you know one of my specialties and the one thing that I love doing is bringing the banjo to other musicians that are outside of the genre of bluegrass and folk so I've learned a lot of these so I can interact with these other musicians and uh, you know I wanted to be let in the door uh, to some of these other opportunities and in my instrument, everybody expected me to play bluegrass style over you know whatever particular genre it was, but I learned that if I learned their language, then it was easier for me to uh, to interact and participate
1: well, even before we get into voicing specifically, kind of what's something that just a, a musician, any musician, I guess, really should be listening for, focusing on when they're backing up another musician, whether it be a singer or 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 an instrumentalist, but just a very general, high level, you know, concept for general, you know, backing up another musician, you know, should focusing on rhythm or where they not getting in the way sort of ideas.
2: Yeah, I think it's rhythm is really important. I mean, the rhythm of the particular genre or the rhythm of the song. Um, And, you know, I don't listen to, oh, how can I formulate a banjo part with three finger rolls that can go into this particular genre I'm playing? I listen to what the piano or the guitar or whatever else might be in there playing chords usually back then it was piano guitar or tenor banjo i listen to what they're doing and i formulate what i'm going to do based on their chords and their rhythm and then if i can work in three finger rolls later i will um but i want to capture the essence of that music you know it's like you're going to a campfire uh, of another culture and you know you don't want to offend them you want to do their, you want to compliment. That's what comping means. Comping is just short for complimenting. And the best way to learn how to compliment whoever is the featured soloist or melodist, is that what it's called, <laughs> Or whoever's playing the melody or singing the melody, whether it's a another instrument or a singer, uh, you want to compliment it the best, and there's no one better there to follow than the instruments that are there helping them. So even if it were an uh music without chords chord harmony i would listen to the next closest thing you know if it's a bongo drummer <laughs> if it's mm-hmm. you know cuz bluegrass yeah. banjo is a bit constant i mean i i relate the rhythm of bluegrass banjo to tablas in north and south indian classical music i mean that's the closest thing or uh or congas in uh you know uh caribbean music
1: sure well, we have a lot of styles to cover, so let's let's kind of dive in, and we don't want to get too deep on each one, or else we won't get through, you know, most of it, because there's a lot to cover here. <laughs> We're biting yeah. off a ton. Yeah, this is um, a lot. I've,
2: I have some tidbits I'm going to give everybody that they can take yeah. home and
1: mess around with. Um, so, starting off, like uh, starting off in early norms jazz, you gave an example of Louis Armstrong playing "Sweet Georgia Brown."
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, how, what are the chord voicings there? Are they using mainly triads? Is there six chords being brought in?
2: Yeah, there's a what, little bit of everything, but I'm going to distill it really simple. So I, so just about anybody can take this down. I use these two shapes of seventh chords, and I'm going to use an A7 chord just to be just to start, because it's in the middle of the neck and it's really easy to see, right? So I'm going to put my middle finger on the fourth string, on the seventh fret. I'm gonna put a finger, my index finger on the third, on the third interval of that, which is the C sharp on the G string. It's the sixth fret. And then I'm gonna put my ring finger right here on the second string on the uh, eighth fret. And we get that, we get this nice chord voicing. you can replace that with your pinky right and i play that in a ka-chunk 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 way just with these three fingers now that you can move this anywhere right but you can move this around and you can move it really easy to another seventh chord shape it's a different voicing and the shape of that voicing is and this this has to do with the circle of fifths so you, you hear about the circle of fifths a lot this is a, the circle of fifths is like a color wheel that uh, uh, chord progressions can be written on. So, you got to think about this. This A7, it's an extension of your A chord. You can also get rid of your A major chord on the banjo, get rid of the pinky and bar the first two strings, right? But this is just like we're skipping that second string, and we're putting it on, right? We're putting it right here. So the easy way to think about making a major chord into a seventh chord is by barring the first two with your major your one major chord shape right so but i do it like this because because of this when i go to the d chord to make a d7 which is a fourth away right all we have to do is take that note on the third string right which is the g string it's a d we want to move that down to a c note on the third string and It looks like this, we keep all the other notes the same. Right? I'm trying to move my fingers, so it's a good thing I can see the screen. Right? But now we have a chord change. We can go from this. Right? That's really cool. And now we can go down to the G. You can even. Right? But we're not gonna go there. We're gonna go one back and do the same thing. So we're going to do these two. In, we're going to do this change in this spot. You see the pivot. The middle finger st- stays the same, and the the index and the ring finger fall behind one fret. Let's we'll see how that works. Now I'm going to go down a whole step. And you can keep going if you want. We will go down a half step or. See. But it works really great, whole steps apart. You're going to see that a lot in Dixieland and traditional jazz. So that's the one major voicing that really changed things for me. um, is those two seventh voicings. And you still hear those in, in music after. Uh, traditional Dix- Dixieland jazz, too. So, if you take these notes out of order and you change the order of the same three notes, you get a voicing, right? There's, there's all these, but these are the main voicings that really helped me in, in Dixieland jazz. And also, as you know, you can take your major chord shape, right? Lose that octave there, and here you have another seventh voicing right there. Bar those first two strings. Put a finger in front of it. A seven, G seven.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's good to remember that you could take that first voicing that you had, and because you're playing on the on the fourth, third, and second string, and you could, because the fourth and the first string are both the same note, you could just yeah. flip that 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 shape. Yeah,
2: these bit. are some of the easiest voicings to start with. I just like how uni- how usable they are in that spot like that, right?
1: And do you like playing on those lower three strings, the, lower, the when you're backing up or do you, do you kind of stay away from the first string a little bit?
2: Uh, and, unless it's an extended chord, I tend to stay on those three strings because it stays out of the way of the bass register and it also stays out of the way of like the soprano register who's going to be soloing on those higher notes. So I like to stay right in the middle. You'll know that you'll notice that, like jazz guitar players and piano players, when they are complementing and accompanying uh, a soloist like that, they'll stay in that register too. So I like to stay as low as possible when I'm comping.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like you know, it's kind of in the in like a Freddie Green style a little bit how he'd play two or three note voicings on right. the lower strings.
2: Right, like and that. of course you can totally use your triad that you're totally used to, you know, the right. You can add the seven by you know, I, I kinda think of it like this. I split I split my noted strings. I'll play I'll play the three the three strings in the middle, and then you have a totally different voicing if you just jump up to the the next group of three. Right? So I'll do like I'll play just these three strings or I'll get this voicing right so so then I get a different voicing when I play the seventh chord I can do don't forget that the the D strings they're an octave apart so you can totally change your voicing right or I can just go you know and it just depends on how you want to vary you know I I suggest listening to uh uh, the people playing chords behind these these songs and stuff I mean you could you can get a lot just from listening I mean and trying to do a good and my, my teachers used to say to do a good impression of Freddie Green or a good impression of Johnny St. here or you know whoever's playing the rhythm yeah you know you don't have to say you don't have to transcribe what they do, but you can listen to it enough to where you can like you know
1: get cop the idea the, cop this out right. of it yeah right. So that what you're, what you're showing us works really works well for, um, you know, kind of in a early jazz and swing styles, but kind of moving up to a, a bebop style, uh, you know, if you're playing a Charlie Parker tune, um, would your voicings change at all? Would you still be kind of doing that same voicing? What would be different?
2: Yeah, you're gonna see some, some substitutions for that dominant change, and dominant, I mean seventh chords. So if, if you find a rhythm chart, for those Dixieland jazz songs, you're going to see A7, D7, C7. You're going to see a lot of sevens. I mean, sometimes you're going to see a song with with all sevens in it. I mean, that's that's not far from uh, reality right there. But they would change these. It's also often called a two five change. For those of you who don't know, this is this is the chord that comes from the second
1: note in the scale, right? And it's a. Change. So we're still basing on the. A seven,
2: right? This, but but this instead of going this change in bebop, right? They're going to do A minor instead of A seven, and and that's right. You know, an A minor chord. You can bar your fifth fret and put a finger down on the seventh. Right, and then all you have to do to play that seventh, then that that the dominant five chord, the seventh, chord, the D seven, is put your pinky down in that. And the rhythm's not going to be that four on the floor. They're going to swing it, so it's going to be one. Right? You can resolve it to that G major seven there, like that. Or and here's where here's where a great bebop comes chord comes in. This this like sixth. 6th voicing and you can play that by barring those first 2 strings there. This is the G 6th voicing because you're playing the 6th interval but just remember G 6 chord. I don't have to explain these chords because I'm not going to I don't have a whiteboard behind me with uh, with a stave on it i just you can play that there or you can play that here but just remember there's a G note in there You can also go up to the G on the 12th fret. Now it's starting to sound like jazz, right? I can go, I can even mix the chords now because they, uh, as jazz evolved, they didn't like throw away the old chords. They added new ones and kept the old ones and they use them all on the palette, right? So... That's a nice sixth chord. You can hang on there for uh, as, as, as a, it counts as G major, it counts as a one chord. And if you use, if you, if you flat your seven, if you make a G seven, like I told you before, take that pinky away, bar those first two strings. If you bring that seventh back even one more and leave everything like it was, you get a nice sixth chord. All right. So I had a formula when I learned this stuff. I just remember where it was. Remember where it is 12 frets up, right? It sounds like one of those old jazz orchestras from the time. But if you add in all your sixth chords... This is just what to look for to learn this music you need to look at a a rhythm chart a chord chart so it's going to say a7 or d7 it's going to say g6 uh it's going to say c6 or c9 that'll come later with the modal jazz we described x but um it's kind of how it works
1: so and what about i I know you've talked with me about um you know staying away from the root notes a lot of the time if you're playing with a bass player yeah. um,
2: I try to stay away from my low root note I try to sift as I learn songs you know sometimes you got to learn a song quick you have to have your root in there so you can kind of hear where it's going but as you train your ear to be more sophisticated and you play along with the recording and let the bass do its job uh, you can slowly find you know move, move your root from here it's, it's okay to play it on top too the banjo is really limited, so right. I mean we have few choices. You don't want to play a nine in everything you do; it won't sound like the chord anymore. Right. So
1: um, let's see. So, and so then, kind of moving up in in this progression of you know of American music here, we kind of on your next on your playlist, you talked about the Miles Davis um, recording "Autumn Leaves." You played at the top of the show and there there's definitely the piano is doing something different there than those happening you know in the bebop period um how would you describe what's happening there in a chord voicing
2: to me this is the most fun stuff uh, because it's it's very easy to use but it's also it's also very comprehensive in how it's laid out in in its simplicity so modal jazz that it works modally you know uh, this other stuff we've been talking about up till now a, a dominant seven chord here and a dominant seven chord here a dominant seven chord here these are changes these are key changes because there's only one dominant seven in each key you can't have four dominant sevens in one key right they're all the mixolydian fifth mode of one key or another and they're moving you know they move that way that's that's how gospel music and jazz are composed but when Miles Davis came along. He wanted something to be more palatable for his audience, and uh, he took all he took the major scale of whatever key. He came up with a formula. If you take the one, the the three, and like the major seven for starters for a voicing out of each, he added the major and a minor seven with that formula. That's kind of how you get Right, And he's using those, those chord voicings, uh, which would be Can a you, one, third.
1: Yeah. Could you quickly talk about what, if you went up the scale in those chord voicings, what each one would be? It's, you know, it's, it's major. Okay. So the, oh, yeah. This is and your major a minor. Shape. minor. Yeah.
2: Your major shape's going to be a G, a B, and an F sharp, right? And your minor shape's just going to be the opposite. I'm going to go up to A minor here cuz that's the second chord. And you can do it in one spot. Here, here it's the same thing as is is the same concept as the last thing I showed you. You just slide these two back and leave the root the same. There's your major shape. And here's your minor shape. It's the difference between doing this, major, minor, right? right. And then major 7, minor 7. And so you go up the scale, the formula is major, minor, minor, major, dominant. And then you can do minor, minor, major again.
1: Do you do, do you do the half diminished when you get to the seventh degree?
2: It depends on the song that it entails, and or if I'm composing it and I want the diminished. You can make the diminished, but a minor will work too. And the fifth is always going to be a, set, a dominant seven chord. Usually like that in you know every every musical voicing that wants that. That's an important chord. It's a pivotal chord.
3: But
1: taking that on like the tune that um on uh let's see take take it on the next tune on in your list because it's a, definitely a, like a more of a modal thing is impressions I I to
2: play it. impressions oh yeah. yeah okay
1: yeah so so there you know it's 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 um it's a dorian um yeah the um, harmony tune. gets it's, tighter
2: uh as as the the years as people started adding more concepts to jazz you know people got these like, people just played a certain way i mean mccoy tyner was he, he appears to be to me like a savant that was playing what he heard first and then learned about what he was playing as he studied under other players but
3: um jazz. But like
1: that that tune is a is a is based on a d minor you know yeah. and then it slides up so if you're just in that d minor mm-hmm. section what would you be doing if it was just if, you know what would you be um, how would you be comping over that D minor section of impressions?
2: On the D minor section of impressions, I would take the D note itself and I would go fifths down. Right? And I would find so, so let me explain this here. This yeah. Miles Davis simplified jazz and then, you know, people think it got more complex with Coltrane, but actually the harmony got simpler, right? It got more complex in other ways, but more simple in other ways. And they started leaving more notes out. So instead of playing a Dorian scale, they'd play a minor pentatonic scale, which is five notes as opposed to seven notes, right? So then the chords started becoming based on the pentatonic scale and leaving the roots out, right? So what they would do is voice the top note a fifth away from the root right. So here's your D. You asked me to play in D, D minor. Here's your D note. And your fifth is going to be on that. The fifth's always going to be here on the second string when you play a chord with the root in it on the bass. hope I'm not going too fast. But... And I'm going to use this voice. I'm going to use that voice to find the scale with. Right, this, this A, it's going to be here, too. That's a fourth voicing. Here's here's a fourth block chord. This is what a stack of fourths. Everybody knows this chord. They've heard this. This is what You can play this chord and people will say, Jazz, that's jazz. scale in that so this is how McCoy Tyner did it see yeah, how that works and again it's it's the it's that three note rule you have you have the inside notes you have these notes and you can start spreading them out beautiful voicing uh I, these are often referred to as fourth stacks or they could be referred to as modal chords too um, Also add in your major triads. There's a minor triad there. Right. This is basic this is what a lot of modern jazz is based on. Um, So I would start on that D on the root and go down and voice lead with that for my chords. To keep these fingers out of the way so everybody can see what I'm
3: doing. Kind of
2: cool.
1: Yeah. That's and and
2: this is hard you know, to keep simple it's hard to explain
3: simple. It's, it's, so I'm trying. it's hard to
1: explain yeah it's um because there's a lot going on when on the you know on the track with with mccoy tyner's playing you know he he's not just and and those voicings are real
2: he also has 10 there, note options to
1: play yes he has, ten he has notes a lot of more options with, with his digits <laughs> i only got three here
2: I'm, you know trying to fake so that's
1: it. that's one interesting but, part though is you have three and you have three it's kind of like a little bit like your your left and your right hand a little bit on a piano you can yeah, kind and, of think of it like that
2: yeah and and i try to go i have those two options so i i can jump up a fourth or, it's all the same chord i mean if you extrapolate it And it's just I'm playing the same shape. Right? I'm playing the same shape for all those. For simplicity's sake, but you can see that I I take it and I really nurture, I'll I'll go. I wanna be putting all my finger strength on whichever one I'm playing, this one, or. So you can kind of fake right and left hand piano comping. And if you start adding in all your other chords. You have you have a lot to work with if you if you separate these um, uh, these voicings by decade and genre or, or decade and the period of jazz or American music that you're you're working with because you can hear in Miles Davis's and Coltrane's time they were using a lot of these voicings in pop songs too I mean you know so. Uh, they were, they were all borrowing from each other. They're familiar sounds.
1: <laughs> right. Hmm. Yeah. At the time there, you know, there's a lot more crossover of jazz and pop music happening.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, kind of total changing gears. Now, you know, we've got up into the early sixties of, of jazz. Um, but now changing gears just, you know, a couple years later was the recording, um, James Brown's recording of Papa's gun brand new bag. Oh
3: yeah.
1: And, uh, and that's you know that's a totally different sort of um, they're using ninth chords, but a totally different sort of style and how would, how would you get that classic James Brown funk rhythm thing going as well on on banjo?
2: It's really cool. I mean, that's something that um, uh, it's it's kind of a guitar, guitaristic thing, but the the ninth chord voicing or the what would that voicing be on guitar? That's just barring that string. What would that be? A ninth
3: chord? Yeah. yeah.
2: It would be so much not holding down chords as much. It would be more similar to that McCoy Tyner. Only more steady. Uh, you're not you're not gonna hold a chord like you would in in Miles Davis's group, you know. You're not going to hold something down like that when you're playing funk. It's This is where the rhythm comes in. If you notice all these, the rhythm plays a big part because in the Dixieland Jazz, in the bebop, it's... In Miles Davis's band, it was... It was more legato, ring pedal notes. McCoy stabbed it more. But funk, it is, it's is—it's a dance rhythm. This music was new. And um, this is where your metronome comes in or a drum backing track or a YouTube funk backing track. And... Uh, to imitate the the horn sections and the guitars and sometimes both uh, for that papa's got a brand new bag i really had to kind of like learn a whole new way instead of going uh you know you know that's kind of way i was doing it like a guitar player i was just kind of But if you want to get the essence of Papa's Got a Brand New Bag, it sounds like a real simple song, you know, an F. But there's a lot going on there because there's a melody, right, an F minor pentatonic or F blues scale. And then there's horn parts using all the notes that aren't being sung. So I was like... So it's like this is all stuff that I learned because I had to play with different groups and it doesn't quite translate as well on the acoustic banjo. But it's all about the dance rhythm and funk and those chords. Uh, they're kind of the same as blues chords, you know. I could take those that that F.
3: Yeah. So
2: that's a big one. You'll hear that a lot, Jackson Five, Motown music. But you can take that same voicing, and it's a little triangle down here, based off of your. There's two nice F six, F minor, F, or uh, uh, what would you call them? Relative minor and a 6 voicing in here that both work in the place of that F and you can, it's the same thing here, right, then we're going to go, there's your dominant chord, I'm just going to play, I'm not going to play the melody for Papa's brand new bag, but I'll give, I'll give, I'll give, for Papa's got a brand new bag, but I'm going to give a little, (laughs) a little uh, demonstration here of just how the the blues chords work, because you have the original dominant chords in this for the five and the four. idea and you can do this in every key but uh, I'm looking at those you can go from that seventh there to its relative minor and back to your
1: a so what what seventh done. were you doing right there sorry
2: I'm, I'm doing C7 mm-hmm. and then I'm 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 looking at And I'm doing B flat seven, or uh-huh. F sharp minor, and
3: that'd be,
2: uh, uh, G sharp six, A flat six? I guess I guess B flat six to A flat six. I try to look. It, this is where I want to cover the blues because you can't cover funk without covering the blues, and the thing that they most have in common are the chord voicings, because the chord voicings are very basic, but they're they're related because they're not they're not complex and jazzy. They're not sophisticated sounding and, until you get into soul styles of music later. But like uh, blues, uh, blues is really cool because in one spot you can have many chords, right? And this is going to seg nice into the rock and roll part of it. But we have we have uh, and then we can go to C where we have this basic G, C, D pattern. A lot can be done there, you know, uh, but for blues music as the genre is concerned, the modern genre of electric blues and acoustic blues, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of major chords in it unless you're really traditional. This this little unit of this G6 chord and this F6 chord is And then just like pop has got a brand new bag. Dominant D7, C7, and back to our G chord. So I look at the G chord as like one chord. Or two, sorry, I look at the G the G chord, the first chord in the blues progression as two different chords. And funk works on this principle. Uh, You know, these these triangle shapes. And this mm-hmm. L shape.
1: What was the People second re- chord you, uh, after the G that you by G and then you're resolving to what?
2: It's an F6. Okay. I'm, I'm just. There's a dominant chord, G dominant yeah. before the C7. A bebop change there's the a minor seven there's the d7 D right i hope i'm not going too fast i want people to remember these triangle shapes all right because they really the chord shape is the thing to experiment with your ear and your listening and the playlist we've given you and all my all my uh you know the, the theory stuff that I'm spewing the details don't really matter it's it's where it fits into the genre and the sound it makes that's most important
1: so real quickly because you emphasized the triangle shapes show us you know again triangle shape a, a triangle shape
2: well it's like your your fingers are connecting the dots of a particular scale and with three notes right so everything's going to be a triangle shape but the dominant the D seven shapes are going to be
1: Right. And so you kind of mean it. triangle shapes because it's a three-note chord. It's, it's and a you connect those dots. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: Right. And so it's just something, something really basic to mess around with. I mean, you, you can you learn to play something and then dissect the theory of it of why it works that way later. Mm-hmm. But it tends to confuse people. If you explain why it is the way it is and then you show them how to do it, they feel like they aren't doing it right. Right. You know, so there's a lot of playing around. But these are guitar chords, too. I mean, you know, there's a, with the exception of the first string, you know, th- these are voicings that are a part of a language. And I just learned those on the banjo. And, you know, it takes some finesse to play them with the three picks. You know, you don't want to play them too light or too hard. You wanna play them all at the same time or play them as a little quick triplet? You know, or or pinch them. So there's not much I think what you,
1: to it. What you just mentioned real quickly was, you know, about them being guitar shapes is important. I know, you know, myself I'm a, I'm I play jazz guitar and uh, and playing the style, you know, these styles of music on banjo, you can take the fourth, third, and second string and use the exact same shapes. Yeah, and and then it starts to. If you are a guitar player, it really does make a lot more sense looking at it that way, than than the totally different um, fretboard, which could, can start to confuse you. Because you know, as a guitar player, you start with you're, you lost two strings. But if you just look at focus on those three strings.
2: Yeah, and and everything I'm showing everyone here is based on ensemble playing. I'm going to assume you're going to play with a piano player or in the top of the range there's going to be a singer or a trumpet and in the bottom there's an upright bass and drums i mean you know it's really hard to teach um and i really should just have another computer here that i can play backing tracks on to show you how it works but it's really hard to teach not listening to the other instruments that are around you i just want to give people these uh, this information so they can go try it on their own but Ideally, I'd have those musicians here to to do the examples with. Yeah, um, and this is ensemble playing. If I was playing all of this stuff, like my papa's got a brand new bag. Um, uh, example. That's all because I just wanted. That's solo. <laughs> I I had to capture the essence of the song before I could even play it with an ensemble so I knew exactly where the rhythms fell. So I was, you know, the bass is going to go and the horns are going to go, right? Or the bass is going to do this, the guitar is going to do this, and the horns are going to (laughs) go, you know?
3: Right.
2: And the vocals are going to do that. So solo playing is much different than ensemble playing. And this, this is something that I... Find a lot of bluegrass style banjo players get lost in the midst of. I mean, there there are three you know styles of playing on the banjo when you come from bluegrass. There's bluegrass ensemble playing, right? Then there's everything else ensemble playing, which I'm showing you. And then there's actual solo arrangements for different things, right? And even though right. it's a banjo and there's much fewer notes than a guitar. Uh, there are ways to arrange that to play it differently so the song if you're playing something that everybody should know so they're going to hear that yeah. right
1: if i may good another good lesson that we should do another time is solo solo banjo arrangements
2: yeah it's something that that i actually have not had enough opportunity to do or work on but you know i take yeah. the songs that i like and and i take them and- stuff that there's songs that i absolutely love that are just very difficult to play because they're not banjo songs it's worth working it out simply to see if you can do it but you learn something immensely with each time and yeah you know that's one that i need to practice because i'm missing some changes on that i don't i don't get to play that with an ensemble much why would you with a banjo you
3: know
1: that's, that's for for y'all. That's sunny. That's, and that's kind of taken off the Pat Martino version that, right? You yeah. This, that. this is,
2: it's one of those modern soul songs where all of the voicings I've showed you are used in the song. So it's like, they just kept adding to the ingredients. The inventors of this music just kept adding to the ingredients of the music. When they went, they didn't throw anything out. Like now you use everything.
1: Right. So, so we have um, quickly, we're starting to get to the top of the hour, but we, um, wanted to touch on on the little rock and roll. You know, you kind of touched it with punk with the blues and in the funk, but you had your example on your playlist of Castles Made of Sand, Jimi Hendrix's Castle Made of Sand. Okay. Um, but w- what's kind of happening as you if you're playing more of a rock thing? If you're well in, I, you know, I
2: remember I, I first heard Bela Fleck play Turtle Rock on that on on his uh Flight of the Cosmic Hippo record, and he did this great, you know, uh voicing it was just a a, it's a power chord voicing for the banjo and it's an open d an a and another d and right and if you throw a finger in front of that on the g string and go a to g a to g right it sounds really cool right but how do you do that when you need to move that chord well you do it like this. <laughs> it's like the power chord on a guitar, except there's there's a half, your, your ring finger's going to be a half step in front of it. And I leave that open there, so I can. Right. Really fun to do on a Deering Crossfire with this distor- distortion, if you never have, enlighten yourself. Right? And so this is some basic stuff. You can move this chord around. And if you can't do it with the three fingers like that, I'm just doing that for simplicity's sake. You can just replace it with those and let your middle finger give everybody the bird because that's what rock and roll is. <laughs> Actually, when I first started playing these chords, it looked just like this. <laughs> and I really had to practice on <laughs> You can't really give everybody the finger when you're playing rock and roll. But you can move all these. You can practice it like this. It's one of the few opportunities, other than Dixieland, where you get to play the banjo hard and it sounds cool. Right? But the great thing about this is, I'm going to show you another voicing too for rock and roll that's really great. Here's your G. you can play those same notes here if you use the the high two notes of your g major chord and you play so that brought me to something i'm like oh double stop stuff and this is how i look at the double stop stuff i take the g major chord i take the third and i don't make it minor i make it sus. i sustain it and then i play all the notes like that this is a g sus chord
1: what is a sus explain (laughs) what a sus is real quickly
2: it's a neutral chord so the third note in the scale tells you if your chord. That's this is what gives your chord its value of major and minor. This interval. If you make this interval flat, you get a minor chord, right? <coughs> Excuse me, let me get a drink of water here. If you go back one more <coughs> Having some allergies issues here. If you go back one more, <coughs> you can suss the chord. Can you mute me for a moment?
1: Yeah, sure. If anybody has any questions quickly, we're getting to the top of the hour and uh, we're gonna be wrapping up soon. But if anybody has any questions, um, let us know quickly in the chat.
2: So going back to this, we have a sus chord. And if you hammer onto the third from the, from that third, You get this Jimi Hendrix sus chord double stop. It's great for a roll. Great. You could also get this off of your bar chord, which just happens to be a four chord. You go from making that D7 shape like we made before. You move it up to the next group of strings. And you hammer. You play both notes at the same time and you hammer on to a half step in front of the D, or a whole step in front of the D note. Right? Right? And If you go in fifths like this, or fourths, On the pentatonic scale, is a uh, sus chord. You can also connect the notes of the pentatonic scale, like the Mata- McCoy Tyner chords we did earlier. But you put the root in. You leave the root in. It's hard to see. Right? And then here, you can make your your triad shape. sort of expanding upon the boogie-woogie backup section of Earl Scruggs and the five-string banjo of the book. And, uh...
1: There's the, you know, there's a ton of information here. How we start to kind of wrap this up into um, just kind of a summary of, of, some, of some things to check out and to try.
2: Well, <clears throat> it all depends on what you like and what you like to listen to, but I've given a great basic overview of how the voicings and rhythms of things have changed over the decades. Each decade of pop music has its own de- defining characteristic. And it just really depends what you like, but uh, I would learn a little bit of each one. I mean, uh, you know, uh, a great place to start with with Dixieland chords is learning a version of Flatten Scruggs' Salty Dog Blues with Dixieland Rhythm. He probably got that from from a certain Dixieland channel he listened to on the radio or or something like that I mean all all of these genres genres were influencing each other at the time they, right. they, they weren't all as split as they are now this it was a melting pot at the time so <clears throat> to bring all these together I would you know the playlist the playlist is pretty comprehensive did you like the playlist Dave
1: yeah, it's great. It was fantastic. It was fun going through it and, and, and seeing the progression of, of American music kind of, you yeah, know, through I tried the to years. be pretty but
2: basic with it. I didn't want to be obscure or,
1: no, no, it was just fantastic. Yeah.
2: stuff. But, uh, you know, it just, you know, learning, learning a tune that you like and kind of following that, that rule of thumb, that format that, all right, this voicing, you know, I'm learning uh a Jackson 5 tune. Well, it's not going to have the same guitar chords in it that um, Freddie Green would be playing in Count Basie's orchestra, right? Is that the right just cuz
1: it says if you google the chords, uh, you know, to whatever whatever Jackson 5 tune and and it says, you know, right. you know, A D, you know, E7, but the but, voicings are different. You can't just lo- play
2: Yeah. But if you're learning, and if you're learning Jimi Hendrix, you're not going to have the same chords that Miles Davis is going to play. You're, you're going to have blues chords, funk chords, you know, you're going to have a whole different palette of chords, or a mix of the two, uh, depending on what you're doing, but... It's
1: and another thing to touch on that we we didn't, we didn't mention really, most of these chords you're talking about are um, closed position chords, movable shape chords, you know, yeah. so you, don't, you aren't using open strings. So you can, mm-hmm. you take these shapes and you can move it to different spots exactly like your A7, the first chord you just talked about, that A7 triangle shape. Yeah. You can just slide it up two frets and you have a B B seven.
2: Right, and you can't. You can roll these chords too. I'm playing the, all the notes together so everybody can hear them. But I mean, if I were to play, you know, or, it just sounds. Like a banjo falling downstairs, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> you, you can use any roll you want, and, and any of this. It sounds really great on the modal chords. That like a reverse roll on the Miles David. You can take three chords and make and write your own song. I mean, it doesn't even have to be that rhythm. Are you? I awesome. encourage people to be creative with these. Mess around, move around. There's no right way to. There's no right or wrong way to play them. But I I took these chord shapes and ran home and wrote songs based on what the uh, what came up in my mind when I heard the voicing. You know, I I played G major seven for the first time and I learned a second chord. You know, I was writing songs like I didn't I had no idea yeah. what I was doing, but. play jazz now you know I knew nothing about it but uh, to, to write a song to try to write a song with it it with the with the sound it evokes in your head because each one of these voicings evokes something I mean if I go if you aren't thinking Warner Brothers cartoons you're certainly thinking about some some uh, big band thing you may have heard. But I mean, when I was a kid, I heard that, and you know, I was in the ballpark. I mean, yeah. those cartoons were, were, the soundtrack was, a swing band, so yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Well, um, quickly, we have one question from Gus. He's asking, are there any books available for intermediate/slash advanced jazz solo banjo arrangements? I'm
2: sure there are. Um, I don't know who who they're by. I figured it all out by myself.
1: Is that Gus McGee? It's Gus A.B.
2: Gus A.B. I don't know Gus A.B. Hey, Gus. Um, <laughs> not that I'm aware of. I, I okay. haven't looked, though. I've been teaching myself for a long time. so. No,
1: um, well, maybe it's a, a book to be written. Um, <laughs> well, this has been a lot of people, I think, really like this. They have a lot of good comments. People are looking forward to trying this out. Um, oh, great. And yeah, this yeah, will be saved. On our, it will be on our on our website on um, on the Deering Live page, so you can go back. There's a lot of information in this, and you can go back and rewatch it, and take sections of it. And we'll also be splitting it up into uh, Daring Live shorts, into little sections too.
2: Oh, great! Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, if you mess around with this stuff, that's just the best thing to do. I mean, find, uh, formulate questions find someone who can answer them, look them up on the internet, look for different videos. There's plenty of information out there to, to, to follow your nose as far as this goes, but hopefully some of this sticks.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, Ryan is uh, good to see you again. And, uh, <laughs> glad we made it through the, uh, the technical difficulties and we, and, we, and uh, this was fun though. And, uh, um, no no I'll, I'll talk I, to you soon I'm sure I was
2: rattled sure. far enough to uh to get some chords wrong on autumn leaves but uh <laughs> I hope people will forgive me for that hey it's good to be here
1: <laughs> do you want to play us out with something
2: uh I have no I, I can play uh I wrote anything tune, I wrote a tune yeah. I based on a James Brown thing called a uh called Triple Loser I'll just play a little bit of that perfect <clears throat> alright thanks everybody.